The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Hi, welcome to the One Tough Mother Show and happy belated Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope everyone had a wonderful time with friends and family and everyone was safe. Um, today's show is a little bit different than most of the shows that we do. Um, today's show highlights something I think is a very important topic and something I really didn't realize or even know about until I got a letter or an email from this wonderful woman. As everyone knows, I don't think there's any greater loss in this world than the loss of a child. I can't even imagine it. It's always been one of my biggest fears since I've had my children. And Marquita Tench wrote or emailed us, and I thought it was such an important, important topic. I decided to do a little bit different show. Marquita had read a feature that highlighted us in a national magazine. The feature stated, if you have an important life lesson you want to share, email the One Tough Mother show. And that's exactly what she did. The heartbreaking details of Marquita's son, Jamie's death after or from cardiac arrest at the age of 18, the age of 18 was something I had no idea about. It was a real wake up call for me. And I think other parents or other people or teachers or anybody that are, is around children should know about this. There's a lot of circumstances in this story that could have saved Jamie, but unfortunately it didn't go that way. And uh, Marquita wanted to get this word out. And I said, yes, we would help her do such. So um, I don't know if you know anything about this, but cardiac arrest is among like a very common thing in school-aged children, which I was blown away by. Actually, she told me 7,000 children a year under the age of 18 die from cardiac arrest. That's approximately 19 kids a day. That's 19 kids, 19 children a day. That's 7,000 a year. That's incredible to me. And um, there's so many situations that need to be corrected. And one would be the laws have to be changed so that there's defibrillators in every school. I'm here to share, share her story with us and to talk about this is a woman I think is very brave and I, I'm just very honored to have her on here and everything that she's doing to help other children so this can be, you know, addressed. It, it keeps her, her son Jamie's memory alive. So it's with great pleasure. And of course, you know, we're so sorry for her loss, but we're so happy that she's getting the word out. We're, we're here to help her in any way we can. That we welcome to the One Top Mother Show, Marquita Tench. Welcome, Marquita. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much for writing me. And thank you for being willing to share your life lesson because I'm um, so super, super important. Super important. Definitely. So let's start with why you wrote. Tell me what you, why you wrote to us and then we're going to go from there. Well, my main goal, of course, is to spread the word on just how common sudden cardiac arrest is throughout the world, not just the United 
States. I mean, there's statistics that I have here and I can read those to you, but they will blow your mind as to how common cardiac arrest is, but especially, you know, close to my heart is our, our children. They are our future and we lose so many that people just don't really understand how common it is because it's not a national news story. They are local news stories per se when they happen. Wait and a there's minute, not Wait a any... You're telling me kids, cardiac arrest? Kids? Yes. Yes, children. Uh, that's, that's, common? that's common to have kids in cardiac arrest? Very common. Very, very common. I can give you stats. Yeah, give us some stats. Okay, well, sudden cardiac arrest is the leading cause of death on school campuses. Number one, um, the, um, I mean, I can give you organizations. I don't know if you want me to do that, but the stats are 356,000 hospital cardiac arrests annual, and there's over 7,000 children under the age of 18 is the new stat for this current year. Uh, children that just die of cardiac arrest, over 7,000 a year. Wow. Uh, never one, did I think never. Yeah. One student athlete dies every three days from cardiac arrest. Um, it's the leading cause of youth death over accidents, suicide, homicide, cancer, and, and heart conditions, you know, comes ahead of all of that. That's amazing. But, you know, a lot of people just don't know it. And I didn't know it myself when it happened to my son. You know, this is after the fact, which doesn't help him or, or us or anyone that it's already happened to. But, you know, you learn and you try to come to grips with it and understand what happened to your child. And then when you find out that it's, you know, so preventable, cardiac arrest is preventable in pretty much every circumstance. It's so easy to find out if your child has a heart condition that can be fixed and save their life and you don't have to lose your child. That's I mean, that's what we value the most in this world is our children. And I can't imagine that there's not a parent out there that wouldn't do what they needed to do to save their child's life. All right, let's get into what happened to your son, Jamie. Now, um, Jamie was a, a fabulous kid from what you tell me and he and his older brother. I mean, you were, you were telling me about, he never drank, he never smoked. He was just a great, great kid, right? Right. One of those kids people wish for. That's amazing to me. And he was, now you guys at the time, did you live out out West? You lived in LA or? Um, he did. He was uh, graduating from his big brother's high school. That's what he wanted to do because, uh, of course, he idolized his big brother. So he went back to California. At the time, I lived in Virginia. And he went back out there because he wanted to graduate from the same school. So he was uh, in Long Beach, California. Um, and um, normal kid, other than three years previously, uh, coming to me and telling me to put my hand on his chest that he didn't know what he was experiencing and I about died when I felt it. I immediately took him to the Wait, felt what? Felt what? What did you feel? Uh his heart was beating 
through his chest, it seemed like to me, through his ribs and everything. And I thought his heart was just going to come out of his chest. Was he running? Was he being active? Was he in sports at that moment? Or he was just at home? No, see, and that's the thing with cardiac arrest. It can happen when you're sitting, sleeping. um, You know, activity does uh, increase the odds of it going into an arrhythmia, but it can happen at any time. And he was just sitting watching TV with me, ironically. And he says, Mom, come here, come here, come here. And I put my hand on his chest and I about lost it because I knew that that had to be something terribly wrong. And he laid his head back and he turned gray and sweat beads popped up on his face as I watched. And it regulated itself back and you know we after i composed myself we i set about you know getting him to a cardiologist and the next day they um told me pretty much that he had what they call svt which is supraventricular tachycardia which is um it's not any anything wrong with your heart muscle itself. There's no deformities or anything. It's just an electrical impulse problem where his heart every so often would just decide it was going to take a shortcut and beat prematurely and it would set him into an arrhythmia, but it could have been fixed. Um, But we trusted what our cardiologist told us and what he told us was not accurate. And, uh, you know, underlying factors where, you know, they didn't, tell me you should have been on a special diet and no caffeine and et cetera, because it increases the chances of him going into arrhythmia again. I mean, all of Great. those things. Marquita, how old was he at this time? He had just turned 18. Uh, he had just turned 18. No previous incidences that you knew of. Like he went from zero to 18 years old, being a normal kid, running, playing, jumping up and down, being the normal, normal, normal child, right? Right, right. Never sick a day in his life other than a bout of chicken pox when he was about 10 years old. Very healthy, right weight, um, no problems at all. But they say that uh, they haven't figured out why, but when your children go through puberty, it seems to trigger it if they've never had any symptoms before and they don't know why. So I'm assuming that that's what happened to him as he was going through the puberty stuff and whatever happened, happened, it made it start deciding to take this little shortcut, you know? Right. So, but Jamie was a very active, a very active boy. Like he loved cars. He ran track and lifted. He lifted, right? Yeah. He was an actor. He was trying to be an actor. He's out in LA at, uh, tell me this school again. Uh, Long Beach Polytechnic. Right. And they regularly film there because it's out in LA and I kind of have a good idea of where it's at. Right. Yep. Yep, they regularly make TV shows and movies throughout the city. I was raised there, and it's something you get used to. And then you don't realize how uncommon that is until you move away, which I thought was hilarious. But, <laughs> yeah, he was he was making TV shows, and uh, he'd been in a, uh, an extra in a couple of movies to, to get his foot in the door. And uh, his, his life was looking up. We teased him and told him that he was going to be our, our, our pretty famous baby because he was just – just the epitome of a California boy with the blonde hair and the blue eyes. And he rode motorcycles and um, I mean, you name it, skateboarding. And he was on a football team when he was in junior high. There was no limit to what he did. Oh, he was just a normal, 
great kid. And, and yeah. he worked with, he did something with Jesse James or something, didn't he? He did. He, um, that was his, um, his goal in life was to work for Jesse James at West Coast Choppers there in Long Beach. And uh, he managed to get his foot in the door and Jesse uh, got attached to him. And so did his wife at the time. And uh, he put his 54 Chevy Bel Air in uh, one of his calendars. And then he decided to do the uh, Monster Garage was the show that that was on TV at the time. And he decided to do an episode at Jamie's school. So they went in and they did a whole episode that you can see on, um, on YouTube. It aired January 19th, 2004, uh, three days before Jamie passed away. So, um, yeah, he was, he was going to be our famous baby. And then Jesse was impressed by him so much. He hired him to work at West coast choppers, but he never officially got to do his first day on the job he passed away three days before he was supposed to start but my heart is okay with that because at least he knew that he had the, the fantasy job that he'd worked so hard for i'm so sorry tell us now okay so i i this is very difficult to digest because you know i have three sons and a daughter and they all played sports their entire lives and it just seems like you know what Marquita, I would take them to the doctors to get their sports clearance every year. They, they put a stethoscope on their chest. They look in their eyes, their nose, their ears, and exactly. good to go. You know, feel the backbone. Right. Everything's good to go. Good. What? What happened? Well, it's, it's such a delay in progress in the medical field. And uh, one of the websites that I got very attached to during my trying to make sense of everything after Jamie died is called Parent Heart Watch. And I spoke to the founder last night for like two hours. And, you know, she's a constant fighter. This is her daily life. And, you know, she's been told, keep doing what you're doing. Maybe you'll see some progress in about 15 years. Oh. Well, in the meantime, a child is dying every three days and another family is going through the nightmare that all the parents are going through that have already lost a child to something that they didn't need to lose them from and so it's very frustrating but you keep going for your children and for other children that haven't been lost yet you know right 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 so in Jamie's case is it okay if I ask you to walk us through how it happened and what Oh, yeah, sure. Um, he, uh, he was doing his final exams for all of his classes because he was um, getting ready to graduate in about two months, and he had all of his senior pictures taken and had his cap and gown, and he was so ex excited because he was going to start his fantasy job and was going to be done with school, and his life was looking up. And he went to school that morning to do his final exams, for his weightlifting class and they had to do a two and a two and a half mile run there on the campus and uh he was walking with one of his um one of his good friends there and he told her uh come on let's go and she says god i, I don't feel like doing it this morning he says you know what i don't feel so great either but if i can do it you can do it let's go and that was the last thing he ever said to anybody and they took off running around the track, you know, trying to get the best time that they could. And, you know, she told me 
later that, you know, he passed her up and he was at one end of the field and she was at the other end. And his coach told me the next day that when he passed him, he hollered out Jamie's time to him and he told him, okay, go over and do your cool down lap. And he walked about 15 feet behind him and he collapsed and died in the sand pit. And the hard thing for me to reconcile, and it took a really long time, was that he started seizuring, which a lot of people don't realize when you go into cardiac arrest, it's lack of oxygen. So you seize and you foam at the mouth and you turn gray and purple and blue. And, and uh, a lot of people think that you're having an epileptic seizure. And that's what his coach thought. Uh, but if it hadn't been for one of his friends that was at the other end of the field seeing all this crowd gather and ran up there to see what it was about and saw Jamie on the ground and he ran up to help him and the coach said no leave him alone he's having an epileptic seizure and he's like no dude he doesn't have epilepsy something's wrong you need to help him and that's when they realized they needed to start doing CPR but you know there's no AEDs there's no uh, laws to put AEDs, which are the defibrillators that shock the heart back. That's your biggest chance of saving somebody once they go into cardiac arrest. And if you don't have that, you have to rely on CPR, which is great, but it's not the equivalent of shocking the heart. And so they did CPR and, um, you know, there was a, del a delay getting the ambulance and the AED to him on the field because they were making a movie at his school, which inhibited getting the ambulance to him uh, faster. Um, so, you know, they weren't able to save him. You know, every, every second that you delay defibrillating decreases the chances by 10% that you're going to be able to bring him back. Or should I say every minute of a delay decreases the odds of bringing them back by 10%. And so when, when that happens, every, every second pretty much counts. So, you know, it, it is just horrible all the way around. I'm so, I'm so sad and so sorry for you. And I can't thank you enough because it's, you're so brave to, to have reached out to me and to, to want to talk about this to people because um, there's nothing like I said in, in your intro, there is just nothing more devastating and more, um, you're just like a shell when you lose a child. I can't even imagine. It's, it's always been my biggest fear. So you're not in LA at the time. You're not in Long Beach at the time. You're right. there. I was in Virginia. Okay. And you get this phone call. I, I can't even, I can't even, it's the call. I'm just getting choked up thinking about it. It's the call that no mother wants. No mother it, wants. It's the call from hell. And I hope that it's okay to say that because ironically, um, my children have never been with babysitters. And uh, my youngest son was eight at the years old, eight at the time. And I didn't want him to have to, to be with the babysitter. So I started driving a school bus because you can take your child over a certain age with you on the school bus. And I love children and, and I interact with them well. And so that was a good job for me to have. But they called me on my cell phone and I heard it ring and I pulled over to answer it because I didn't have any children on the bus at the time except for my own son. And I remember them saying, you know, your son has been brought into um, 
Long Beach Memorial. And, you know, I'm thinking he fell, broke an arm or something like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Is, is he okay? And they're like, well, he's been brought in under cardiac arrest and it doesn't look good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's 18 years old. An 18 year old doesn't uh, have cardiac arrest. You know, that was my understanding at the time. And, um, and then the next thing I know, they put the chaplain on and I don't remember anything after that because in my head, I thought if they're putting the chaplain on here, that means my son has died. He's gone. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember anything that he said. And they put my oldest son, thank God, the friend that was on the field that day that told him that Jamie didn't have epilepsy knew where Jamie's locker was and he went and got Jamie's phone and called his big brother that lit that you know lived in the same house and worked in the same area and he called him and he got to the hospital you know unfortunately or fortunately however you want to look at it to watch them try to revive him with no success and then declare his little brother dead and i remember this 21 year old man getting on the phone with me that's so strong and composed all the time and never cries and you know, and all I could hear was a quivering mom, you know, and I, I don't remember anything else. I don't. And uh, I remember vaguely him saying that his dad was on the floor beside the, the bed that Jamie had just passed away on, you know, right. and that's all, that's all I remember about that. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. So sorry. You know, what really gets to me about this is let's get into how this could have been prevented because this was absolutely, as you told me, 100% preventable, correct? Definitely. Definitely. And that's the hardest thing to live with is knowing that this person that would have done great things for this planet was so decent and loving to everybody that he came in contact with was taken and it's such a detriment to the planet you know as a mother but everybody else's children I'm sure they think the same way and you know there's one stat right here if I can read it to you and I'm not allowed if I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give you the name of the organization that's fine yeah, you can give me the name of the organization okay um, just this one right here will get you in the gut. You know, it says the American Heart Association reports that up to 9,500 youth are affected annually by what the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute calls a critical public health issue. This equates to one youth every hour, every day that we lose each year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But see, there's no, there's nothing in the laws that tells a coroner when they have someone that comes in that passes away from cardiac arrest. There's no database where this has to be recorded so that there can be more information out there to let our governments and our health officials know that what we're saying is just not mumbo jumbo this is this is dire right. we're losing our children and not only our children but you can die of cardiac arrest at any age 
But when we started investigating and realized that the the numbers for children are so staggering, you, it's hard to get past that, you know? Right. It's it when you read the the stat in the beginning, I was floored that it's that it's well, you know, you know, the, what we try to tell people is early detection is the most important thing that you can do, um, which means don't let a doctor just put a stethoscope, stethoscope to your child part. You know, we want you to take one more step and have an EKG done. Now, we realize that that's just a baseline test to get you started, but an EKG is the easiest and next step to making effort towards what might come later if need be, you know, the EKG, and then you go on to an echo and other things that you might need to, if there is something on the EKG. But that's what we are asking parents to do is be your own child's voice and when you take them in for school physicals, have them put them on an EKG. Right. You know, right. it's your child. I can't imagine if you are able to pay the extra money that you need to until we can get the laws changed and have it included in a preventative, you know, like most things are like colonoscopies, et cetera. Those are preventative things that most insurance carriers cover, but cardiological stuff isn't unless you have a family history you're usually going to have to pay out of pocket for something like that and i know the position that it puts families in but it's your child right you know? right and you know what marquita you knew after you took him to the cardiologist you were told and he was told and your family knew that he had this problem with the electrical impulse in his heart so they right. put him on medication right they did they they told us that they were pretty sure this is what he had, but their words to me, and when it's something that's serious, it kind of sticks in your head. So I remember exactly what the doctor told me. They said, it's not a big deal, heart condition. Uh, he'll grow out of it. And if he doesn't, we'll do what they call an ablation, where they put some scar tissue in there to stop the shortcut when he turns 18. And I believed what the doctor said and you know, thought, okay, well, he's got a heart condition, but he'll grow out of it. It's no big deal or whatever and it didn't worry me because they put my mind at ease because I'm you know as a layman I'm thinking this is the cardiologist he knows what he's talking about so I'm not gonna worry and you know they put him on um, a heart medicine called digitalis and it completely stopped any of the arrhythmias that would pop up pop up so irregular on him and uh, I felt like we fixed it and then when he went back to California for his um his senior year we got him with another cardiologist out there and for whatever reason he took him off of the medication and never bo never bothered to tell me or his father that he did it let alone why and uh he he died two months later you know so, so it's so cardiologist out in in Long Beach decides to take him off this medication. He's 18 years old. He's like, okay, I'm listening to you, doc, because you're a doctor. He right. didn't mention it to you because he's getting ready to graduate high school, so his life's going 24-7, 365, as kids' lives do, and most of our lives. 
So it's just a, ha a bunch of circumstantial things that added up to this. Right. Right. I mean, and, and I, I asked the cardiologist the next day, I was on the phone with him and I said, you know, why is my child dead? And, you know, of course he hemmed and hawed and everything. And I said, why didn't you tell me that you took him off of his medication? And he said, well, he was 18 years old. I didn't have to tell you. Oh. He's, an, he's considered an adult at 18. I said, but when he was 17 and 364 days old, you, you had to tell me, but because he was 18, you you didn't feel the need to tell a parent about something, you know, that, that was a pretty big decision there that I would have liked to have had some say so in. Right. Or at least have a conversation with Jamie about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's listening to his doctor. His doctor is a cardiologist. He's telling him, Hey dude. Okay. And it previously he had heard another doctor say, Oh, he's going to grow out of it. So in Jamie's yes. head, it's probably okay. I'm 18 now. I'm, I'm growing out of this and this doctor's telling me I don't need this med. Right. But you know what the really hard part is, is learning after, after he passed away, trying to come to grips with it while I'm in my grief. I did research and they do uh, ablations on newborn babies. So I still have not got an answer as to why they told me that if he didn't grow out of it, they would do an ablation when he turned 18. I don't know what that means and why 18. Why not do it the minute that they found it? But, right. you know, like I said, you, you believe what the doctor says and you believe they're doing the best for this human being, this child of yours. And you, you know, if you're a respectable per person, you, you tend to not want to second guess them and million question them. And, you know, and I didn't do that. And so I fault myself for not doing that at the same time. Right, right, right. I totally would. I understand that and would feel the same. So now you're involved in this Parent Heart Watch group, correct? Yes. What is the What is it that you guys really want? Like, I, I would want what you want. Like, every sports physical, every school physical, they have to have some kind of a cardiac workup. But what is it that you're aiming for to get defibrillators in schools or on campuses? Or what is it exactly? <laughs> It's a gamut of different things that have changed through the years since uh, our wonderful founder, Martha Lopez Anderson, started the, the site when she lost her child in 2004 as well. And um, our goals are, are, are very numerous, I guess, because we want the early detection, of course, first. That's the most important, you know getting your child on an EKG. And if your child doesn't have to have a, a sports physical, then, you know, when you take them to your, your pediatrician, they take care of your child from birth to adulthood. And, you know, at some point, just have some kind of cardiological workup done on your child because one in 300 children do have some kind of undetectable heart condition that will be found if they do the test. And then you can go from there and fix the problem. There's so many different kinds of heart conditions that a child or anyone can have that can send you into cardiac arrest. So it's not as cut and dry as one heart condition. There's tons of different kinds, cardiomyopathy, long QT syndrome, all these different heart conditions 
but they're detectable with these tests. And so that's the first thing that we want to do is do the, the early detection so that we can prevent the cardiac arrest. But then after that, we, you know, um, petition lobbyists and the Congress and, you know, health people that are at the top of their game in um, all the fields and the CDC and, you know, little things are happening, but when a child is dying every hour, every day, it's just not happening fast enough. Right. And right. so a lot of us, a lot of us will, will find funding um, and do cardiac screenings like in gyms or um, conference halls, et cetera. They'll set it up. They'll advertise it with their own money and people can come in and, you know, realizing that insurance companies don't pay for it. They try to do it at a low cost for the family. Um, and you have the full workup done and on their site, Parent Heart Watch, there's uh, members constantly saying, woohoo, you know, we saved this many children's lives just with this one screening. Right. Um, you know, every single screening finds a heart condition that a parent looks at you and had no idea their child had. That's so scary. That is so scary. And it's just to me, it's almost foreign to me, Marquita. And I don't mean to sound like that, but yeah. because... I never in my lifetime, this never entered my mind, putting my kids in sports from the time they were six to the time they were graduating college, you know, 25 or 24. I never thought about, hey, maybe I should have a heart workup done on my child. Never. Believe, believe me, I'm right there with you. I was the same way until all of this jumped in my face when this happened to Jamie. And you know, there's no genetics in his background that from our family history. Um, they say that he could have been the originator. So it doesn't have to be a genetic thing. So just because you don't have somebody in your family that uh, has ever had a heart condition of any kind doesn't mean that your child is safe. They, could have, they said that he could have been the originator of his condition and then his children would have continued to have it as well. Yes, to start so yeah, it's got to start somewhere. And unfortunately, it started with him, you know, and that's that's just the way, unfortunately, it went. But don't ever think that your children are safe because they don't show signs. But you have to look for the signs in your children, and you have to talk to them and ask them, you know, do you ever feel dizzy and you don't have a reason for it, you know? Do yeah. you ever... Um, Feel your heart pounding out of your chest like you described. Exactly. You know, Jamie thought it was cool. He had no idea that it was something serious. I mean, he laid his head back and closed his eyes and let it do what it did. And then when it finally regulated, like I'd said to you before, he made a joke out of it and said, ah, I like this part because once it regulates, it puts all this oxygen back into your blood and it kind of gives you a euphoric kind of feeling. And I don't want to say hi, but, you know, that's kind of like what you feel. And I got mad at him and I'm like, what do you mean you like this part? You know, and he told me, he says it feels good when it stops doing whatever it's doing, you know, but he didn't have any idea what it, what it was. But thank God he told me because it had been happening for about six months before he even told me. Right. 
Well, thank God that you wrote to me because I think this is a super, super important thing to get out there. This is, this was blowing my mind. This was mind blowing to me again, because I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I didn't have any idea that that many children die every year from, you know, heart problems or going into, you know, heart distress. So it, it just blows my mind. Where can people reach out to you or someone to discuss this if they questions for the, about their child or what's going on or how to help? Oh, I would love for people to reach out to me. I would be willing to give my phone numbers, my email addresses. You can go through parentheartwatch.org. Um, they have tons of videos, uh, statistics, reports from all of these huge organizations like the CDC, American Heart Association. Um, all of the groups and organizations that have been invented since she started this place. And, and you can, you know, there's so much of it happening that I can't imagine that you're not going to be able to find someplace locally that is affiliated somehow with this organization or another one where you can get your child screened. Um, Okay, if your well, doctor, what's your email address? What is your email address in case someone wants to ask you something personally? You said you... My email address is marquita.tench at yahoo.com, and that's M-A-R-C-H-E-T-T-A dot T-E-N-C-H at yahoo.com. Okay, great. And they can ask you a question, or maybe you could direct them? I'd love to be able to help Anybody that has any kind of questions or concerns, um, how to approach their children and ask them, you know, if they're wondering what age, it's any age really, because I've got two granddaughters in Texas right now that I'm going to make sure that they have theirs, that they've already had theirs done. And, um, you know, anything and everything, don't feel like you're going to bother me because this is my, my life's work now. You know, I've got to I've got to do something so that somebody else doesn't go through what I go through every day it's, it, and it's like I've told somebody on his birthday was November 1st and he would have been you know in his in his 30s now and I don't know what he looks like how tall he would have been whether he would be married now and would he have children what would he have named them and um you know, and the crying that I've done in the last 15 years would fill up an ocean. And I don't want anybody else to go through this. It's the most horrible thing that anybody could ever think of. And, you know, people phrase it different, but you don't ever get over it. You just are forced to get used to the fact that your child is not there anymore, whether you like it or not. Right. I'm and so you can go so on. Well, thank you, Marquita. Thank you. And no. Thank you. This day before, I mean, this time before Thanksgiving, I, I give thanks to you for being one tough mother, for being so strong, for being willing to come on the show and, and talk about something that's so, so heart-wrenching. And so, I mean, I, I just feel bewildered thinking about it because I just can't even imagine. So thank you so very, very much from everybody that hears this that you may save. And please, if anyone has any questions, Please, she's made this her life mission to help people reach out to Marquita. She's a fabulous person, and she'll help you in any way she can. Marquita, thank you very, very much. Thank you so much. You are a blessing to all of 
the children that have passed and the children in the future that this will save your blessing to us. And I can't emphasize that enough. Oh, I'm so honored and have a, have a lovely holiday. And please, um, again, if, if anyone has any questions, reach out to Marquita. It's, it's amazing. And what was the name of the group again, Marquita? Parentheartwatch.org. Okay, great. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much. And God bless you all and please feel free to reach out to me for anything. I am here for you all. Excellent. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much. You too, sweetie. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And this week's mother says is, lessons in life will be repeated until they are learned. And I believe that's so true. Your lessons in life will be repeated until they are learned. Thank you again, Marquita. And please, everyone, if you know anyone that you think should hear this show, please share it with them. Next week, we have another great guest. It's, it's going to be a great show. I can't wait. And everyone, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Take care. <laughs>